Let's say you cut your skin. The Band-Aid doesn't heal you. And if you were to not have a Band-Aid on your cut and you were to pick at it every day, you wouldn't heal. And if you have coronary artery disease and you're spraying your arteries every day with excess cholesterol, your heart disease will never heal. And you'll think it's not possible. But the healing power of the body is something you don't want to not take advantage of. Put it to work. Whatever other treatment you need, don't neglect that one. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here as we wrap up this special Your Body Imbalance series, where we've been examining the new science of food, hormones, and health. Episode number nine of nine. And what you're going to hear is a live broadcast that I did with Dr. Neil Barnard in Washington, D.C., where we revisit a lot of the issues that are discussed in the book and hear about how so many wonderful people have been able to improve their health in ways that they never thought imaginable. We're talking about overcoming so many conditions from confidence-killing acne to endometriosis, which is not only painful, but can also take away a woman's ability to have children. And then PCOS and hypothyroidism. And for the 30 million-plus Americans living with diabetes, there are incredible stories of people who were once exactly like you but now walking around diabetes-free, no more medications, no more insulin, and every one of them was able to bring all of those hormones causing these conditions back in balance by changing their diet. That's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. And we're going to be bouncing around a little bit. We're going to cover a bunch of things, and then we're going to field some interesting questions from those in the audience who joined us live. So without further ado, let's talk Your Body and Balance live. This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I'm the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you guys so very much for coming out on a Friday night. awesome crowd this is. I mean, everybody is so excited to be here. I love that. The energy in the room is just infectious. Can you guys feel it? <laughs> That's pretty. Can you feel it, I Dr. Bono? He can yeah. feel it. Okay. So uh, really, my, my guest this evening needs no introduction, and certainly to the people in the room, uh, you've already been introduced, but for the people who are listening to this or watching this on YouTube or on Facebook, my guest this evening is Dr. Neil Barnard, the author of the new book, Your Body in Balance. Welcome back to the show, Thank sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. You know, for the past, jeez, I don't know, three or four months, I've had the opportunity to speak to so many people who were featured in this book. And Dr. Barnard, I mean, these stories are just, I mean, some of them will bring you to tears, the transformations that we've, we've heard about. Catherine Lawrence and going down to Dallas and, and interviewing her in her store now where she, she pays for the knowledge, what she's learned. It was just, I mean, that almost moved me to tears. And uh, it really struck me. The name of her, her business is Food Saved Me. How great is that? How appropriate is that? 
Yeah, it, it, it really is true. And I found out a long time ago, people need to not just hear all the facts, they need to hear about a person who actually did it. And so they're all real people. They've all had these experiences and they really do come alive. And um, I think one of the questions that a lot of people wonder about, especially as they're just getting going uh, plant-based and maybe they're on the younger side or, or maybe they're going through the change and the hormones are just, they're just going crazy and they're having issues with their skin. Well, you and I were out in Los Angeles not too long ago and had the opportunity to sit down with twin sisters, Nina and Randa Nelson. Growing up, had horrific acne. Acne like you would not believe. They made some dietary adjustments, and lo and behold, their skin now is flawless. So really, how strong is that connection between what it is we're eating and our skin? You know, it's, it's the kind of thing where people have looked at it for a long period of time, and for many years, doctors poo-pooed the role of diet. They would say, chocolate, it's all in your mind, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, actually, when we've looked into this, um, the reason that people have discounted the chocolate connection was that there was a researcher in the Philadelphia area who did some experiments on prisoners where, yes, I'm not making this up, he, fed, uh, he went into a prison outside of Philadelphia and fed half of the participants... Uh, chocolate bars and gave the other half some very fatty bars that weren't chocolate uh, but were greasy stuff and he couldn't tell the difference in the reaction between the two so he said well I guess diet doesn't matter um, and it was, oh, I forgot to tell you, it was funded by the chocolate industry for this um, and he got into a lot of trouble later for much worse experiments where he was in, uh, exposing uh, prisoners to toxic drugs and things for and, and became a really uh, kind of a pariah uh, but, but pediatricians all remember this, and they kind of repeat, chocolate doesn't matter. Um, it turns out it probably does, as, as, as well as dairy products seem to play a role as well. And what Nina and Randa found was they went vegan, but, but that alone didn't do it because they were eating a fair amount of greasy things. And when they got the oils out of their diet completely, that's what tipped them back into really good health. So we're thinking... Um, Getting the animal products out of your diet is a critical step, but you have to do a little bit more than that. Another thing that really surprised me putting out this, this series of podcasts for Your Body and Balance was the episode that we did on thyroids. And, you know, so many people beforehand had written in and they had been asking for months, please, can you do a show on thyroids? Can you do a show on thyroids? I never realized what a big problem this is for so many people. And then we get an opportunity to speak to Wendy Sachs and Dr. Mike Cowan, a neurosurgeon who had no idea about the connection between diet and thyroid health. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, the symptoms are very vague. You know, your thyroid is at the base of your neck and it cranks out thyroid hormone. And if it's not cranking out enough, you're feeling sluggish and cold and tired and you might gain a little weight. But these symptoms are so vague that doctors often take a long time to figure out that it's low thyroid. Um, but, but once they figure it out, the blood tests are really pretty easy to do. And there, there are two reasons for running low thyroid. The first is you don't have enough iodine in your diet. And for most Americans, that's not an issue because in 1924, the Morton Company put out those salt containers with the girl with the umbrella on them. They're, it's iodized salt. And so you, you get iodized salt. But being cool people... Um, we have Himalayan salt or kosher salt or sea salt, and they don't have the iodine in it, so people tend to run low. Unless if they love sea vegetables, which is the best source, you get plenty of iodine. Um, by the way, sometimes milk has iodine in it because cows 
tend to dribble fecal material on their udder, and you don't want that in the milk, um, at least not alive. So, 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 am I cheering you up with this? I mean, that's just yeah. Anyway, well, what happens is before you put the milking machine on, you spray them with an iodine-containing disinfectant, and if some of the disinfectant dribbles into the milk, you'll get iodine that way. Um, but a better source is. Uh, Go to the sushi bar. Don't have the fish sushi. Have the nori roll. Um, that is, uh, we've got cucumber or seaweed or, uh, or uh, sweet potatoes or something like that inside. The nori is very high in iodine, as are all sea vegetables. The, now, I've got to tell you, the bigger reason for hypothyroidism in the United States is not iodine. It's an antibody reaction. Apparently, people are reacting to foods, perhaps dairy or meat, we see much more hypothyroidism in meat eaters and in ovo-lacto-vegetarians, cheese eaters, compared to vegans. So you're talking about hypothyroidism. Same, yeah. same principles apply for hyperthyroidism? The, yes, and the difference is that in one, state, in, in one case, your body is making antibodies to something that are then attacking the thyroid's ability to make thyroid hormone. In the other case, these antibodies are attacking the regulatory system of the thyroid so that it can't turn off. Um, but it's the same issue. And getting away from animal products seems to, to be helpful. So Mike, who you mentioned, is a neurosurgeon. And after five years of hypothyroidism, just went on this healthy plant-based diet, and now he's totally clean. And I think we need more research in this area, but there is no risk to getting the junk off your plate and seeing if you don't get better. No, and uh, by the way, in your book, everybody got a copy here this evening. There is a tremendous recipe for rainbow sushi that Lindsay Nixon put together that will just blow you away. It is so, so good. Um, another person who I had the privilege of speaking with as we're putting this series together was a gentleman who was diabetic. And this story was, it really particularly struck me, not just because he's a fellow weight loss success story, but because he looked. He, he, the doctor puts him on insulin, and he looks the doctor right in the eye. He's like, I'm not going to stay on this. And the doctor's like, well, once you go on it, you're going to be on it for life. Nobody ever comes off of it. And Bob Blackburn, God bless him, looks the doctor right in the eye. He says, watch me. How, I mean, how big of a role does diet play in terms of diabetes? And is sugar really the huge culprit that everybody believes it is? Yeah, uh, no, type 2 diabetes is not caused by eating sugar. Um, it's caused by a, a mechanism that's a little convoluted, but once people understand it, they suddenly have the ability to make the disease go away. Um, sugar is actually a good thing if it's glucose in your blood going to your muscles to power them. That's what's supposed to happen. Or glucose is also good if it's in your blood going to your brain to power your brain. That's what glucose is supposed to do. But without insulin... The, the hormone insulin made in your pancreas, the glucose can't get into your muscles. It can't get into your liver. And the reason that, it, uh, that people end up with, with diabetes is that although normally insulin arrives at the surface of a muscle cell and escorts the sugar inside, if there's too much fat buildup in the cell, insulin can't do it. it, it, can't, it the insulin won't work. So the, the reason that people get type 2 diabetes is the buildup of fat inside their muscle cells and in their liver cells. And they could be real thin. This is not belly fat. It's fat inside the muscle and liver cells. And if you've never heard that before, um, back in 2003, NIH funded our research team to test a low-fat vegan diet for its ability to improve type 2 diabetes. It turns out to be 300 times more powerful, uh, 300% more powerful than the best current diet because it gets the fat out of the cells. 
and our friends Jerry Schulman and Kit Peterson at Yale University take our patients, scan them through MR spectroscopy, and you can see the fat going away as their insulin sensitivity improves. And that's why we started seeing something no one ever saw before, which is insulin going away. So if, if you don't know how the hormones work and what causes it, your, insul- your diabetes will not go away. But your diabetes can go away. You know, you hear these stories, and I, I mean, I'm, just, I'm still just so astounded. We've been doing the show now for two years, and this book is just now out hitting the shelves. You hear the story about Bob, and you hear the story about Catherine Lawrence, whom we were talking about earlier, and, and Jeannie Schumacher, and, and Dr. Cowan, and Wendy Sachs, and Nina and Randa Nelson. I mean, on and on and on. I mean, you could list thousands of names, really. And it just strikes me, like, what powerful machines our bodies actually are. We have this incredible ability to heal, heal ourselves. You know, the body just kind of knows what it needs, right? Well, you know, if you think about it, you, let's say you cut your skin. You know, the Band-Aid doesn't heal you. You know, if you cut your skin, that you're, you're in the DNA of every cell, you have pro- a program that allows the skin cells that have been pulled away to find each other again. And if there was a blood vessel that was ripped, it, it heals. It's in your programming. If, if it weren't, our species would have died out a long time ago. And if you break your leg, the cast doesn't heal you. It just holds the bone still. Um, and if you were to not have a Band-Aid on your cut and you were to pick at it every day, you wouldn't heal. And if you had no cast on your leg and it wobbled around, it wouldn't heal. And if you have coronary artery disease and you're spraying your arteries every day with excess cholesterol, your heart disease will never heal. And you'll think it's not possible. And if you keep feeding fat into your muscle and liver cells, your insulin resistance will never heal. Your diabetes will never go away. You've got absolutely no chance. Now, don't get me wrong. The body is imperfect in many ways. And you can be on a healthy diet and things can still happen. Um, But the healing power of the body is something you don't want to not take advantage of. Put it to work. Whatever other treatment you need, don't neglect that one. Um, And see what you can do. And and for some people, their diabetes will improve. Others, it will go away completely. But I say, let's just go for it and see what happens. You know, it strikes me that so few people, I feel like, know about this. You know, everybody still equates diabetes with sugar. And and a lot of people, I don't think, even realize that it's possible to send your diabetes into remission and fully reverse it in a lot of cases. So you were talking earlier before we were recording this episode and trying to encourage everybody here to go out and to spread the word. And I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said that the majority of people here tonight are already on that path. But... I think that I can speak for... Well, there might be one or two people who are dragged here by somebody else. All right, well, let, well let's talk to those people who are dragged. Welcome to the cult. We'll show you the secret handshake on the way out. So. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, how do, you, how do you begin those conversations with somebody and, and try to plant that seed, so to speak, and, and try to get them on the right path? Okay, all right. Um, if you were dragged here by somebody else um, and you thought, I'm not sure I believe this, but it sounds like it might be a good thing. Um, here's, the, here's the way that we test out the, the, the diet in people. And I've never seen anybody unable to do this. What you do is you take one week. And during these seven days, try out plant-based foods. So if every morning you have sausage for breakfast, go to the store and get vegan sausage. And if you like it, you can have it. If you don't like it, throw it away, you know, whatever. Um, if every morning you have cornflakes with milk, try Almond milk. Is it any good? I don't know. It's, now's your chance to try it. You've got seven days. Um, I go to Subway for lunch. Uh, will they make me a vegan sub? Will they? They will? Okay, I'm going to try it. 
um, every night I go Italian. And instead of the Alfredo sauce, do they have a tomato sauce? I don't know, I'll try it. So you've got seven days. And the goal in these seven days is to find breakfasts, lunches, and dinners that if you were avoiding animal products would work for you. Write them down. It doesn't take seven days to do this, but we're going to give you a week. Then step two is after you got your list, take three weeks and do it vegan, all, no animal products, for three weeks. But that's easy now because it's only three weeks. You can do anything for three weeks. The other thing is you've already figured out the foods that you like. You stock up and you do it. And at the end of that period of time, if you've done it right, no animal products, keeping oils pretty low, two things will have happened. First is physically, you're losing weight, your blood sugar is coming down, your energy is better, your digestion is sorting itself out, you're sleeping better. But the other thing is that your feelings about foods are changing. You don't miss those, those things so much. And you thought you would, but you sort of don't care, and you're finding new things that are really cool. And you suddenly discover that a lot of other people are doing this too, um, and there are products out there, and there are websites out there, and there are books, and there are movies, and there's a whole bunch of people talking about this and getting really excited. So then, after three weeks, you can decide, I want to do it for another week. Or it, it's totally up to you. But you break it into steps. Step one, take a week to find the foods. Then step three weeks, put it to work. And no long-term commitment. Focus on the short term. See what happens. Suppose somebody goes to their doctor. Hypothetical. Let's get serious for a second. And they are here tonight, and this whole thing is new to them, and they say, hey, doc, I'm going to go on a plant-based diet and see how that works out. The sad reality is there is a very good chance that that doctor knows or has next to no training in nutrition. You've been through medical school, correct? How much time did you spend there actually learning about this? Yeah, it's, it was neglected then, and it's still been neglected now, I'm sorry to say. It, it, it is staggering, and I remember one of the doctors I was working with is I was losing weight. You know, I, I reached a, what they termed a healthy weight, which was 25 pounds heavier than I am today. So go figure. But anyway, the doctor's like, "Okay, you've lost all this weight. Now you need to eat a hamburger." Now, mind you, I wasn't even thinking about being plant based at that point. Okay, I was getting all of my nutrition information from physicians. But I remember sitting across the table from him and thinking like, that just doesn't sound right. That's the same kind of food that brought me here in the first place. What can we do to help educate doctors and nutritionists about this? Well, we have a a number of programs we've already launched. And um, every August here, just right, right near here at the Grand Hyatt, we have the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine, and your heart would sing. There are a thousand or more doctors. They're all learning about this. We have continuing medical education for doctors um, online. But as I briefly hinted at, um, Representative Mary Che from Ward 3 has introduced a bill that would require doctors to have a little bit of nutrition education. It's, it's not much. It's, I think, two hours per biannual renewal period, so it's basically it's almost nothing. But even that is getting pushback from doctors who are saying, don't you tell me what to do. And I testified before the city council, and I said, look, until doctors do this on their own, the law's got to make you. Um, I don't know if we're going to win this battle or not. I hope so, but I'm going to ask everybody to be politically active. If you live in the district, um, help us out. If you don't live in the district, move in. So. <laughs> Not a big ask at all. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, 
So I know that another piece of legislation that we've been working on at the Physicians Committee is to make sure that there are plant-based options available to hospital patients. And I've had people on the show who have told me that they've been in the hospital, they've had a heart attack, and then they tell me about the food that they're being served. And it seems to me, again, common sense, I'm not a doctor, but it's the same type of food that brought them there in the first place. Um, you are so right. But in 2017, I have to tell you, the American Medical Association, which has not been known for being super progressive, did take a resolution that, that our medical society here, the Medical Society of D.C., brought to the AMA and said hospitals should serve vegan meals, should throw out all the processed meat. That means never serve bacon, sausage, ham, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and have healthy beverages. And the House of Delegates of the AMA passed it unanimously. It's now their policy. So um, the city council has another bill, and that's, and that's to do the exact same thing here in the district. So you could just imagine um, that Hormel and everybody else is going to say, wait a minute, don't take away our market in the hospitals. They want people to continue to eat that stuff, despite what it does to their health. Uh, my view is, back a generation ago, my hospital, GW Hospital, banned smoking. And it was controversial. Are we going to tell patients what they should do? And the answer is yes. (laughs) While you're under this roof, yes. And patients got used to it. So now we know that colorectal cancer is caused by bacon and sausage and and a lot of other things, too. Let's turn this into a teachable moment, and that means having healthy food. And and there is a lot of progress being made. The hospital uh, up near me, the Shady Grove Hospital, uh, was visiting somebody there. I just happened to glance at the menu, and there were quite a few plant-based options on there, yeah. at, at least one meal a day, which I they, thought was great progress. They're doing better, but i got to tell you, I went into GW Hospital not too long ago, and the vats of bacon and sausage would really are enough to stop your heart. So we, we've got we've to be advocates. We've got we to make noise. And anyway, we're going to do this. So. Everybody and and by the way, and not just hospitals, schools. You know, schools are used as a dumping ground for uh, agricultural commodities. Your kid is not a garbage disposal. Um, Frankly, they don't need to learn arithmetic if they're going to have foods that are going to kill them. So let's give them a good education and a good physical start in life, too. True story. This don't might, get me started. This might put a smile on your face. <laughs> I graduated from high school 20 years ago this year. And my senior year, they installed a line for salad. And while everybody, you know, thinks that pizza and hamburgers and the french fries that go with it, the typical unhealthy fare that comes with that little carton of milk would be the most popular items. Not the case. Kids were lined up out the cafeteria to get the salad. They were passing by that stuff. And this was 20 years ago. So I think that if you give children that option, they're going to go for it. Questions. I went around the room a little bit earlier, and I was asking people, hey, what's on your mind this evening? So I got some wonderful questions. You feel like fielding That's something? a deal, sure. All right, this is a great question from Lisa. Lisa Berrigan from Big 100.3 is here this evening. Uh, she was curious about what are some good foods that you would recommend for women to eat who are of a certain age to prevent mood swings and drops in energy? Okay, um, when we're talking about menopause here, I presume... I look. I drop her name, and that's as far okay. as I'm going. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm thinking that maybe that's over. Well, frankly, um, a, a low-fat vegan diet is good for everybody of every age. Um, however, there's uh, 
There's been a lot of work into understanding the, the, the hormonal changes at menopause. And if you're interested in, I've written quite a lot about this in, in the menopause chapter. But let me just back up real quick. Um, in Japan, back in the 1950s and 60s, the diet was mostly a rice-based diet. Um, dairy was almost unheard of. And meat, and even fish, was not huge. Um, it was used mostly as a flavoring for the rice or the noodles or whatever. And at that time, women did not talk about hot flashes. And in fact, well, maybe they're reticent. They don't want to talk about it. And anthropologists went into medical clinics. And they said, really? You know, during this phase of life, what are you experiencing? And some of them would say, well, I get a little backache or whatever. And, but hot flashes were, were quite rare. As soon as McDonald's set up shop in Tokyo and Osaka and the diet westernized, men westernized first and then women somewhat after, and hot flashes became more common, as did weight gain, as did breast cancer. Women who did not westernize did not increase breast cancer risk. Women who did, their, their risk was doubled or more. Um, depression became much more common. Alzheimer's disease appears to be increasing. Um, and so what we believe is happening is that the fatty, meaty diet and dairy-based diet elevates estrogen levels and maintains them at a higher level. And then at menopause, because the ovaries shut down, the drop is from a high level to a low level. And then for much after that, you have these reverberating um, physiological responses to it. Um, so we believe that if people are on a healthy diet going into menopause, they're, they're likely to have a better course. If you're in it already, uh, there's all kinds of supplements that I don't think are very helpful, like black cohosh and some others. I don't, the data on them, in my view, is not very compelling, except for soy isoflavones. Um, not every woman benefits from them, but some women do. And some benefit just from increasing soy foods. Others seem to need to go to the store and get the actual soy protein and put it to work. But that's something you can try. I don't know if sympathy hot flashes are a thing, but I'm pretty sure that I experienced one. I was talking to Anne Friday, who was also featured in this book. And as you all will read, Anne is a police officer. And she described to me in great detail having hot flashes while she's wearing her vest and her uniform and being in the blazing hot sun and just feeling trapped and there was nothing she could do. And man, and I'm sure that you're listening to this, just know that my heart goes out to you because that just did not sound like a whole heap of fun. Yeah, but she's also a success story too. So. She's a phenomenal success story. Uh, just so many great stories in that book. Are you kidding me? Um, interesting question from Andrew, a little bit of a change of pace. Uh, curious about the toxins that get accumulated in the meat. How do they get so concentrated? How do those levels get so high? Okay, well, well cows and... Uh, well, let's start with fish, actually. Um, the, the little fish is living in what has become the human sewer. I'm talking about rivers, um, oceans. And the little fish eats the mercury or industrial waste and then is consumed by a bigger fish and a bigger fish. And so these things bioconcentrate, particularly going with fat. Um, now, a cow may eat grass, and whatever pesticides and things have descended on the grass will tend to bioconcentrate, particularly in the fatty tissues. That means meat, also in dairy. Um, and to get scary about it, the same thing happens in a human body. If you eat that, the, these toxins will end up in your body fat. And in a woman, it can get into your breast tissue, and your first child will get the biggest load of toxins as you breastfeed. Um, breastfeeding is always better than formula feeding, even in this case. But we accumulate these things, they go into, the, into body fat. 
It's a question. Uh, there's a, a doctor in the house who was, uh, I believe the impression I got was that he is probably the only one who is interested in plant-based nutrition in his practice. He was curious about how he would refer people over to a plant-based doctor. I know that we have the wonderful Barnard Medical Center. Any advice for him? Um, well, that, that's what I would say. Is, okay. is, the, the, is that what I'm supposed to say? I, I think so. Okay. The address okay. is 5100 Wisconsin Avenue. It's up on the fourth floor. Okay. All right. well, well, let me tell you why we started this, actually. Um, it was 2015, and to see a medical doctor to, and to get started with a vegan diet, you had to be in one of our research protocols, and that was relatively few people. And so we thought, well, let's just hire some people, and let's start a clinic. And that's what we've done. And we have three physicians, a nurse practitioner, four dietitians, men, five, four, um, and everybody from the front desk staff to the billing staff and everybody, they all follow a healthy vegan diet. Um, and it's just the coolest thing in the world. And I have to say, it's good for the patients, but it's good for the docs too, because they all had come from what they would describe as a factory, diagnose, prescription, diagnose, prescription, and they get burned out. And with us, nobody uses that word. It's um, just a cool place to be. So um, come see us if you, if you would like to. It's a nonprofit. We take all uh, insurances, or, or if you don't have insurance, we'll see you. So we'd love to, love to help you. And if somebody's hearing this and they're not in the Washington area, how would you recommend that they begin to talk about this with their own physician? Um, Okay, by the way, the name of it is the Barnard Medical Center, and you'll, you'll see it online. Um, I, I think that the first thing to remember is that you employ the doctor. And so if the doctor may not know anything about nutrition, and you may not need your doctor for that purpose, you have a good doctor and use him or her as a diagnostician and to understand orthodox medicine. But if the doctor doesn't understand about diet, um, it's always good to share with them what you're doing. Some of the most... Um, kind of loyal doctors that we have working with us now are people who learned about this from patients, where a patient reversed their diabetes or they got better from thyroid disease and the doctor goes, holy cow, what am I missing? And they put it to work and it gets very exciting for everybody. Let's wrap up with I think the patients should bill their doctors for that, by the way. At least get a discount, right? 15% off, 20% off, no copay. I mean, that sounds pretty good, right? Um, Let's end with this one. This was another uh, popular topic that a lot of exam room listeners had written in about, and I'm really thrilled that we have an episode coming out about this. PCOS, featured in the book as well. Um, Somebody here this evening was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and the connection with diet as well. Okay, um, this is polycystic ovary syndrome. And it's if, if you're a woman who has it, um, what you discover is your doctor is really big at kind of scratching her head or his head, thinking, I don't know what this is. Um, it's a little hard to make sense of it. The symptoms don't all fit together. But to make a long story short, what it is, is that you'll notice that you might have some skin changes. You might have uh, the occasional hair growth where you didn't want to have it. Um, your cycle might be irregular a bit. You might have, if you have an exam, you might have actually cysts on your ovaries. And what it is caused by is... Everybody has male and female hormones. Everybody has a little bit of testosterone. Everybody has a little bit of estrogens. Um, Normally, women have very little testosterone. In cases of PCOS, they just have a little bit more male hormones than others, just enough more that you might have the occasional hair or a little bit of acne or these other changes. That's all it is. It's genetic. But what we have found is that diet makes an enormous difference. And I actually, I actually illustrated this with a woman named Allison 
who is uh, a registered dietitian in, in Wisconsin. And she works with cancer patients and counsels them on a healthy diet. But she had PCOS, and she and her husband, she, she was infertile as a result, which is very common in the, uh, with PCOS, is you just don't ovulate on any normal schedule. Um, and she finally thought, what the hell, let me do my own diet. And so she went on a completely 100% plant-based diet. And within a matter of weeks, she got her first period back. And, right, and bingo, that was it. She was pregnant at that point. She's got a beautiful baby girl. And she came here last um, uh, July, July to our conference. And she's now a, she, she's still a registered dietitian, very actively, but, but promoting this for other women. Um, so diet can help this, without getting really complicated, Insulin resistance plays a role in PCOS just as it is in diabetes. And some doctors even use the same drugs. But what we use is the same diet. And what you find is for many, many women, they get better. So uh, give it a try. All the side effects are good ones. Allison got her sister on board as well. You talk about, you know, yeah. spreading the word. So now they're, they're kind of teaming up and, and spreading the word together. Dr. Barnard, thank you very much for being here this evening. Thank you, Chuck Carroll. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, sir. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for spending your evening with us. What a way to wrap up the series. The room that night was just overflowing with people wanting to take charge of their health and get to know the connection between hormones and food and then take the next step to a healthier and hopefully longer life. And if you haven't already done so, if we piqued your interest, you can order a copy of the book really easily. We've put up a link to purchase it in the episode notes below, or you can just head over to PCRM.org and pick up a copy there. And attention, North Carolinians, if you're in that area, Dr. Barnard is coming your way as part of the Your Body and Balance book tour. March 16th at the Collider in Asheville, and then March 17th at Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte. And then next month, mark your calendars as well. There are going to be stops in Columbus and Cincinnati in the Ohio area, plus a few others. And then throughout the year, dozens of other dates. And you can check out a full list. The full calendar is up right now at PCRM org slash book tour so go ahead and check that out and man we covered a lot on today's show but maybe you still have a question or two lingering maybe it's about something completely different that we didn't touch on either way we want to hear from you so go ahead and find me on twitter and instagram i'm at chuck carroll wlc give me a follow and then shoot me a message or you can find me on facebook as well send a message there and dr neil barnard he is at dr neil barnard on both twitter and instagram and we've put up all of those accounts in the episode notes below for your convenience because obviously that is a lot to remember <laughs> and uh in all seriousness please also make sure that you subscribe to the exam room podcast by the physicians committee on apple podcast and wherever it is that you get your favorite shows so that you can be among the first to get this life-changing and even life-saving information every week and when you do subscribe, when you hit that button, please also leave a five-star rating, which helps even more people find us and ultimately then experience a healthier life themselves. Because if you're hearing this, there's a really good chance that you've made a change to your diet and you've improved your health or you're on your way to doing so. So you know how good that can feel. And you know that it's not impossible to make these changes. 
And so just by hitting that subscribe button, that helps the next person find this information and experience the same thing. So let's go ahead and pay it forward. And that's going to do it for us today. And for this special series, Your Body in Balance. My thanks again to Dr. Neil Barnard for joining us and to the staff and to the crowd at Busboys and Poets who joined us live. You guys were amazing. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. Mm-hmm.